Good morning, Hilton Head Island Community Church. I am so glad that you have joined in live online. Thank you. Second service, I love you guys, man. Um, we are glad that you guys have joined in uh, today and that while you're isolated, um, you all are staying connected. Uh, my name's Todd, for those of you I don't know, and I'm really glad that you have joined in. I gotta tell you, I miss you guys tremendously. We cannot wait till one day we're back in this room and you all are here with us physically. Uh, but until then, uh, we can still stay connected and I'm glad that you have joined in and are staying connected. Today is week two in our series called After Effects. And what we're doing is we're taking a look at the 40 to 50 days after Easter. It's all about what happened after the resurrection. And I've gotta tell you in the, in the course of human history, and in your life and in my life, what happened after Jesus died and rose again from the dead in those 40 to 50 days is vitally important. It set the stage for everything that took place over the centuries, and it set the stage for what we do today, how we serve, how we live, what goes on in our daily lives. It set the stage for everything. And today we're going to be diving into the, what is really the third and fourth appearance of Jesus. In those days after his resurrection, God decided to send Jesus in his glorified form back to this earth to appear to over 500 people over the course of those 40 days. And the reason I'm adding 10 more on is, well, you'll see that in a few weeks. I don't want to give it away. Uh, but during those uh, 40 days, he appeared to over uh, 500 people. And what he did was set the stage for everything that was about to take place. Now, today what we're going to be looking at is a group of people who Jesus appeared to who were struggling with fear and with doubt. And as I mentioned in the past service, I think that those two things, fear and doubt, are kind of emotional cousins. They're related. I think that they go together hand in hand. And I love that Jesus understood that. I love that he dealt with them together. And I would imagine that today, on this Sunday morning, on April the 26th, that there are a lot of you who are dealing with fear and with doubt. Not in a million years, I think I said in the last service, it was week uh, seven. Uh, it is week seven of our quarantine, but it's our sixth Sunday um, meeting like this. And I don't think any of us would have ever dreamed that this would still be an issue. I don't think any of us dreamed that we would still be in this place, kind of locked in our homes, locked in where we are, having to do everything through a Zoom meeting or FaceTime or online in some form or fashion. Not in a million years did I think that I would still be preaching to an empty room. But I gotta be honest with you, it's during those times that um, we can see Jesus' work in our lives to remove fear and remove doubt in a miraculous way. And so before we dive in, I wanna pray a prayer over you. If you are watching today, if you're watching later on in the week or later on in the day, you've joined in here live while we're actually broadcasting this um, and you're struggling with fear or doubt or anything related to that, I wanna pray for you right now. So let's go to the Lord in prayer before we dive into his word. Father God, I pray that you would be with everyone within the sound of my voice right now who are watching, who may be listening, whether it's right now in this moment or later on during the day or later on during the week. Father, in the strong name of Jesus, I pray for those who are struggling right now to not have peace. Father, I pray for those who are struggling uh, to, to grasp hold of anything that's concrete, 
anything that's secure because our world around us is so incredibly shaky and insecure. Father, I pray that you, as you enter the picture this morning in the lives of those who need it most, God, I pray that you would help remove fear and I pray that you would alleviate doubt and you would help us to persevere to the end. We love you and I pray your blessing on this, these moments now. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. Nicholas Walter Storff wrote this. Faith is a footbridge that you don't know will hold you up over the chasm until you're forced to walk on it. I wanna read that again. Faith is a footbridge that you don't know will hold you up over the chasm until you're forced to walk on it. We've been forced to walk on it, haven't we? That footbridge. We've been forced to test our faith recently. Understanding that what's behind us, the pillars that are holding that footbridge up behind us on the mountain behind us and on the mountain in front of us are the only things that's gonna keep us going. It's the only thing that's gonna support us over the chasm of what we're dealing with right now. And if I'm honest with you, and I'm going to be, um, I've had a few days, I've had a few hours over these past seven weeks where I've let fear and doubt grip me. I've had a few times over the past day that I've let fear and doubt grip me. It's a natural human emotion. Both of them are natural human emotions. And we go through these moments, and I, I would imagine that most of you who are watching and listening, most of you have had that mountaintop experience where you've had an encounter with God. You've had an experience with God. You were at a camp meeting. You were at a church service. You were at uh, uh, you know, some kind of concert where God spoke to you. He revealed himself to you. And it's easy to stay on the mountain and stay encouraged when things look good. But as John Ortberg, Ortberg in his book, Faith and Doubt, puts it, we can't remain on the mountain forever. Because life pushes us down into the valley or the chasm where we have to remain strong in our faith. And the challenges and the distractions and the discouragement around us can have a severe effect on our faith. If you have your Bibles today, I'm gonna to invite you to turn to John, the Gospel of John, the book of John, chapter 20. We're gonna be in John chapter 20 today. Uh, now, last week we, we dropped off, we kind of left things um, with Luke, and we, we were in Luke chapter 24, and Luke and John's gospel have some overlay. There's um, some synopsis to it, if you will, and so there's definitely some overlay there. But it's kind of interesting, as these gospel writers are writing the story of Jesus, they're writing it from their perspective. They're eyewitnesses, and they, they're watching what's going on, and they're writing it from their perspective. And so sometimes you have one writer that will tell a story, and he'll leave a little bit out and another writer that will tell a story and they'll leave a little bit out and that's a natural phenomenon in Luke's gospel as a doctor he goes into a lot more detail he might skip some things that John picks up but but uh, Luke will pick things that John didn't didn't get and it's interesting because last week we left off with uh, these two disciples who, uh, after the death of Jesus on Sunday morning, had left Jerusalem and they were on this seven-mile journey back to Emmaus. They were back to, going back to their village. And we said last week that um, they left the game early. They left early. They left before Jesus wanted to show the win. And so on their way back to their village, as they left the game early, um, Jesus embraces them and he encounters them. And so they go home and they eat and Jesus appears to them. And in a moment when they realize it's Jesus, uh, he is gone. <laughs> Jesus is gone. 
And these guys are so amazed that they decide, and it's probably, I'm guessing it's late in the evening or maybe even at night at this point in time, they decide they're gonna hightail it back to Jerusalem, take that seven mile journey back to Jerusalem. And they go into the, one of the disciples' homes and they're eating together and they're telling the disciples that we've seen Jesus. And that's where we left off last week. And so that's where we're gonna pick up this week. We're just gonna switch over to the book of John. Now, before we dive in, I wanna paint the picture because I think just like we talked about at the cross two weeks ago, and just like we talked about on that road to Emmaus uh, last week, I think that our impression of the way these stories, the way these encounters happen with the resurrected um, Jesus in his uh, glorified form, I think that sometimes we make the mistake and think that once they see Jesus, that everything is all great. But you've got to understand that most of the people that we're talking about, most of the people that Jesus showed himself to after his resurrection were close followers of his. And they were faithful followers of him. And all of a sudden, they were up on the mountain, and all of a sudden, they were pushed down into the valley, and they're doubting that God is going to come through. They have fear and doubt that overwhelms them. See, we can trust that God will supply and supply, he does, but what happens when the supply runs out? Do we lose our trust? We trust that God will give us increase in our business, but what happens when we lose that client? We trust that God is gonna see us through to not fail that exam that we studied so hard for, but what happens when we forget things and we don't do well? What happens when we think that 2020 is gonna be a banner year and there is a worldwide pandemic that we've never seen before. Fear and doubt emerge. And I want you to know today, first and foremost, that the peace that you're gonna see that Jesus provides, it eases fear and doubt that we naturally possess. I want to give you permission to be okay that you're going to have, that you do have, that you've been struggling because you're fearful. That is okay. That's a normal human emotion. It is okay to be overcome, especially during these days, by fear. It is okay that you are, have, have gone through these past seven weeks You've been in the home you've been in for all these weeks. You're saying the same people over and over and over again, and you love them, but now maybe a little less, or maybe you love them but don't like them. And so, like, it can be overwhelming, and maybe for you, doubt that God is in control has crept in. Maybe for you, you're doubting if he is really the God of this world. But the peace that Jesus provides can ease that fear, and it can ease the doubt that we naturally possess. Let's look at what happens. John chapter 20, verses 19 and 20. Check this out. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors of this home where these disciples were in, they were locked, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. And in that moment, Jesus came and stood among these disciples, and he said to them, peace be with you. Now, in that moment when Jesus shows up, and by the way, there are 10 of the original disciples in the room that day, 
And in the room that day is a replacement for Judas, because as we know, Judas, right after the crucifixion, went and he hung himself. And so Judas is out of the picture now, despondent because he betrayed Jesus. He's out of the picture, and Acts tells us that there was a replacement for Judas, Matthias, and Matthias is there, but there was one still missing, and that's why the Bible tells us that 11 were in the room that day. Thomas, I believe, was the other one who was missing. He was out of the picture, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. But these men are there in this room, and they've got the doors locked, and Jesus comes in, and, and, and he, he comes in, and he speaks a word of peace. And then verse 20 says this, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And the story goes on that he speaks another word of peace. And Luke's account says that he said, why are you trembling? Why are you fearful? And he spoke two words of peace. Why did Jesus in that moment have to speak two words of peace to these disciples? Get the picture that they locked the door for a reason. They walked into this home, they gathered together this group of, of men and probably women too who had been through some tough stuff with Jesus, who had been through these last three days from Thursday to, to now it is Sunday, and they know that he has been tried, that he was crucified, put to death on a cross, that he was put in a tomb and now the body has been taken and there's some ladies that are claiming that they saw Jesus wouldn't you lock the door? <laughs> wouldn't you, as you came into that room, lock the door and think Rome is in charge, the Jews have control, the Jewish leaders have control, we, our lives are in danger. We're gonna self-quarantine, we're gonna put ourselves in our homes because there's something on the outside that is causing us great anxiety and great fear. Does it sound familiar? They locked the door because they were fearful of what was outside. They locked the door behind them. They pulled something in front of the door because they knew that Jesus had died and their lives were probably in danger because they were known followers of him. But I asked the question in that moment, wouldn't the very presence of Jesus himself cause peace? I don't think so. Because Jesus just showing up however it happened and I know we've probably seen the movies. There might have been a puff of smoke. Might have been like, you know, something happened, a flash of light. Jesus might have come in through the wall. We don't actually know. It just says that he stood and he appeared to them. We don't know exactly how that happened. But in that moment, the fear that they already had was probably multiplied many times over because now here he is. In that moment, I don't think they went, hey, he's here. This is awesome. They probably were thinking, he's here. Now we're in more danger. Now we're in a darker place. The fear that's outside has now grown exponentially. And Jesus says to them, peace be with you. And he says it twice. Now the normal language of that day was one of two things. It was either Greek or it was Aramaic. But in this moment, Jesus speaks a word of peace to his disciples in Hebrew. And I'll bet most of you know the word in Hebrew for peace. In fact, if you were here today, I'd say, hey, say it with me. Um, but most of you probably already know it, so I'm just going to ask you to say it with me wherever you are. It's shalom. We know that word shalom. It's very common. 
It's where we get the idea of peace be with you, and then it's usually repeated and with you, and also with you. And so Jesus, in this moment of great fear, utters the word peace. And our understanding of peace and the Greek understanding of peace and the Amer- uh, uh, Aramaic understanding of peace would have been a peace that would have caused tranquility. It would have, pe- it would have been a word of peace that we would, we would have understood and they would have understood to mean quiet or still. But you see, shalom is much more nuanced. It's much more detailed than those words. It's much more detailed than our understanding because shalom meant those things plus wholeness, a completeness. And see, when Jesus, in the midst of their greatest fear, in the midst of everything around them caving in and cracking, Jesus utters a word, shalom, that meant peace, tranquility, stillness, but also you are now complete. You are now whole. Shalom. My guess is is that there are a lot of you that through this time, through these dark days, you probably have locked the door to your home and you've gone in and in some way you haven't left for seven weeks. You haven't had real conversation outside of the few people who live in your home for seven weeks. And for you, you feel like something is massively missing. I know I do. One of the things that's missing for me is you all here is you all in groups, is you all stopping by our offices. I miss that. I feel incomplete, and I'm sure that you feel incomplete as well in some form or fashion. It may be different for you. It may be a financial situation. It may, for you, be a relationship that you had just begun, that you were looking forward to. It might be a move that was impending has now been stopped. It might have been a move that is now happening that wasn't before. For you, it might be in your school students' relationships that you were building, and right now, what you feel is what those disciples felt that were sheltered in their home. They feel and you feel incomplete. And Jesus wants to speak a word over you today. Shalom, a wholeness, a completeness that only he can bring, that only he can provide. And I want you to notice also that in that moment, those followers of Jesus who were in that room in that moment where he spoke peace twice to them in the midst of their fear, was their source of their worry now plucked away from them and gone? No, by no means. Was the threat from the outside suddenly taken away from them or were they taken away from the threat? Absolutely not. Did they have reason to still be afraid? Yes, they did. See, peace, the way that we understand it, is we think it's the absence of of any kind of difficulty or any kind of negative circumstance or any kind of conflict, but peace is not the absence of difficulty, but it's the presence of perseverance. And that is something that only Jesus can provide. The ability to persevere to the end is not something that we can find in ourselves. We can find it for a little while. 
It might sustain us for a period of time. But I don't know about you, but for me, at some point in, in time, that well is going to run dry. That tank is going to be empty. I can only pull myself up by my bootstraps so many times. I don't really wear boots. But anyway, you get the idea. Like, I, at some point in time, I'm going to run out of the ability to persevere. I'm going to come to the end. I'm just going to give up. And that's what we, in our own strength, do. We give up. But peace, the kind of peace that Jesus gives, is not the absence of the difficulty. It's the presence of perseverance. And then we switch gears in the story. Because Jesus moves on from meeting with these. He wants to meet with one who is wayward. And the one who is wayward, his name is very familiar. We get a phrase that we still use today from him. His name is Thomas. You know him as Doubting Thomas. And I would imagine that um, Thomas wasn't in the room that night, in that disciple's locked room with everything locked outside, with all the trouble locked out. When Jesus says peace, my guess is that Thomas isn't there because probably what happened with Thomas is, is you know, Jesus died on the cross. Um, he, he was buried in a tomb. His body was taken. And Thomas probably sees Judas and what happened to him. And he probably said, you know what? I want no more of it. I want no more of it. He did what we do. He probably did what we do when, when we begin to have doubt. When we have doubt, we, we begin to turn our back on the one that we're doubting and we go in a different direction. And my guess is, is Thomas isn't in the room that day. He's not there with the disciples because he is going wayward because of his doubt. He's beginning to pull himself away from Jesus or anything that reminds him of Jesus because at that point in time when Jesus hung on the cross, when his body wasn't there and he wasn't really sure what had happened in his mind and in his heart, Jesus had failed him miserably. So Thomas, I feel bad for the guy. He gets this, this name, Doubting Thomas. Man, we all have doubts. We all have doubts. All the disciples, in fact, it says that they all doubted, but Thomas was the one who decided not to be in the room that day. But I love what the disciples do, and I love what Jesus does. John, John chapter 20 tells us that the disciples went to Thomas, and they told Thomas about Jesus, and his response is, is if I'm going to believe this, I've got to see him. I've got to see his nail-scarred hands. I've got to touch him. And look what Jesus does in John chapter 20, verse 26 through 29, eight days later, his disciples were inside again. This is eight days after the resurrection, eight days after this meal where Jesus breathes peace to them. And Thomas was now with them. I love it. They probably sat around that week before and they told the stories of Jesus and someone said, hey, wait, Tom's not here. Where's Tom? Oh, he's back. He's starting a new business. He's gone away from us. We gotta go get him. We gotta tell him. And somebody convinced him to come to dinner the next week, and Thomas is with them. And although the doors were locked, there's the indication that the fear still existed, right? The doors were still locked eight days later after they had seen Jesus. At that moment, Jesus came, and he stood among them again. And what does he say in the midst of the doubt that Thomas had? Peace be with you. Peace be with you. 
I remember as a kid, like, you know, we, we would see something in the neighborhood and we would all gather our friends around and say, hey, hey, that just happened. Something just happened over here. And I, this was down in Orlando in the orange, you know, in the orange groves. Come and see it. And then it come and it wouldn't happen. It's like taking your car to the mechanic and telling him you've got some kind of sound. And when you take it to the mechanic, it never makes the sound, right? I'm sure these disciples were like, yeah, Jesus showed up. See, Tom? See? It's him. It's him. And he says, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, verse 27, put your finger here. He, he just moves right on, Jesus does. He moves right on. He, he, he goes at Thomas's greatest need to see with his own eyes and to feel with his own hands that this is in fact Jesus. Put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do you not disbelieve? Do not disbelieve, but believe. He says, and Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. And in that moment, Thomas believed that this was Jesus. And I love Jesus's response. It's a word to us. He says to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. By the way, that's all of us, isn't it? Blessed are you who have not seen Jesus, but believed anyway. I love the compassion of the disciples to reach out and to try to make sure that Thomas is there. I love their compassion. I love their ability to go, hey, we've got one of us who's wayward. Let's go get him and bring him back next week. They didn't know if Jesus was gonna show up and he did. And I love the compassion of Jesus who would in an instant breathe peace once again to the people in the room, to Thomas, and then in an instant go to what he needed to see and what he needed to feel, to believe. In that moment, he was the hound of heaven. He was reaching out to Thomas where he needed to be reached. 19th century English poet Francis Thompson wrote a poem called The Hound of Heaven. It had a huge impact on uh, G.K. Chesterton's life. It had an impact, huge impact on J.R.R. Tolkien's life. It's a long poem. It's hard for us to understand in today's vernacular, but it's a poem about a hare, a rabbit, being chased by a hound, and, and all that they go through, that the hound, and the hound finally gets the hare, and that's what Jesus was doing with Thomas in his loving way. He was bringing him back, not forcing him, but bringing him back to a point of trust. If you have doubts, it's okay. If you have doubts, it's natural. If you have doubts, especially during this day and age, especially during this time, that is a normal human emotion. It's a normal human reaction. But I want to encourage you to seek the truth of Jesus and who he is. You see, finding the truth of who Jesus is helps us to embrace the peace that Jesus provides. It was in that moment where Thomas could reach out and touch him and see him that he believed and it caused this one who was wayward to come back to him that day. Jesus understands your fear. He is okay with your doubt. He wants you to have shalom breathed on you. And if you are wayward 
or perhaps you find yourself feeling at least incomplete, I want you to consider that the ones who were closest to Jesus, the ones who had given up everything that they knew to follow him in the days leading up to his death and then the days following his death, everything came apart. <laughs> they were gripped by fear. They were gripped by doubt. I mean, Judas traded him in, betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver that Judas would never spend. Peter, arguably one of his closest followers, denied him three times. Three times he denied him. Thomas doubts all the disciples doubt. He understands your fear. He understands your doubt. He understands your anxiety and your depression because for seven weeks you've been stuck in the same place and you've been restricted on where you can go. He gets it. But when Jesus showed up in that moment, fear and doubt momentarily increased. But once they realized the truth and the peace that Jesus provides, their fears and their doubts were erased. And your fear and your doubt can be erased as well. I'm going to ask our band, I'm going to ask our worship team to come on up here this morning. And I want to pray for you this morning. We're going to sing a song here in a moment that is a great anthem to the one who came into our world and made a way for us to have our sin taken away from us so that we could have a relationship with God. He is the one who's in the miracle performing business. He's the one that can provide. He is the one who brought us salvation. And I want you to hear whether you're a Christ follower already or whether you're a doubter or a skeptic or whether you are secure and you have no, no amount of fear whatsoever or whether you are consumed with fear. He wants to enter your world and he wants to help you shalom. He wants to help you be complete. He wants to fill the gap and the cracks of wholeness that you have. He wants to take you who maybe once believed and now you've gone, gone away. You've moved away from Jesus and the people and the things that remind you of him. He wants you to come back to him. He breathes the word shalom into your life. And he's asking you to come back to him. He desires you and he loves you. And he wants for you to find peace in the midst of your darkest day. He wants you to find peace in the midst of your most terrible storm. And for those of you who are skeptical, for those of you who have never put your faith in him, I believe he wants you today to make the decision to become a follower of him and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that when you die, you're gonna spend eternity with him in heaven. That's what his salvation did. That's the price that he paid for his life. That's what it gives you and it gives me who believe in him. So I wanna pray for you right now. Father, I pray for all of those Christ followers who may be listening right now, who like I have admittedly over these past few weeks, struggled with some fear, struggled with some doubt, struggled with wondering where you are in the midst of all of this coronavirus mess. If we were really honest with ourselves, we would just say, hey, we, we've struggled with this. 
And Christ follower right now, I just want you to take a moment, just be honest with God. Just let him know what he already knows. And that is, is you've really struggled with this. Just let him know that. Admit that to him. And let him speak shalom, peace over you right now. For those of you who have never put your faith in him, I want to invite you, I want to challenge you to pray a prayer that I'm going to pray out loud. And if you are feeling like God is calling you to put your faith in him for eternity, I want to invite you to pray this prayer. I'll pray it out loud. You can just pray it in the silence of your heart. The words, they don't mean much if your heart is not in it. They're just words. But there's nothing magical about them either prayer goes like this. God, thank you for bringing me right here today. Thank you for giving me life. Right now, I confess my sin to you. And I choose to believe and trust in you, Jesus, to be my Savior. If you just prayed that short prayer with me in your heart and you meant it, I wanna know about it. Please let us know in the comments section. If you wanna get on our website and email us at info at hiltonheadislandcc.org, it is so important that you let us know about your decision to become a Christ follower. For those of you who have been struggling with fear or doubt, if you wanna share that with a friend or share it on the comment section, I wanna encourage you to do that right now as well. Father, I thank you so much for what you're doing. And even though we can't get together, you are the God of peace. You are the God that's gonna take care of what's going on outside our locked rooms. You are the one that can open that door, God, and you can enter the room however you choose to do so, and you can show us beyond a shadow of a doubt that you will make a way. And Father God, I pray in the strong name of Jesus for those who are suffering, who are in this room, who are suffering, for those who are listening, who are suffering, for those right now who are at the end of the rope who are suffering. Father, I pray that you would speak peace right now to them. God, I pray that you would let them know that you are the way maker, that you are the promise keeper, that you are the miracle worker. And Father, we proclaim that to you right now, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.